Ozark Highlands Radio is brought to you by the Ozark Folk Center State Park in Mountain View, Arkansas. A wonderful way to enjoy yesterday. On the web at OzarkFolkCenter.com. And by Stone Bank, a community bank supporting entrepreneurs and farmers nationwide with loans guaranteed by the USDA, SBA, and Farm Services Agency. Learn more at StoneBank.com. And the Arkansas Arts Council, empowering the arts for the benefit of all Arkansans. On the web at ArkansasArts.org. <laughs> Howdy, music lovers. This is Dave Smith, host of Ozark Highlands Radio. Welcome to our show. This week, we'll be featuring music and interviews with world-renowned Grammy Award-winning musician, producer, writer, filmmaker, and founding member of the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band, John McEwen, with his string wizards recorded live at the Ozark Folk Center State Park in Mountain View, Arkansas. In my weekly visit to the vault, Mark Jones offers an archival recording of his father, country music icon Grandpa Jones, performing the classic song Mountain Dew. It's going to be a good show, so don't miss it. This week on Ozark Highlands Radio. John McEwen has been a professional performer since 1962, first working as a magician in Disneyland's magic shop as a teenager. Music soon came along, which led to his long and varied career, first solo, then as a founding member of the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band in 1966. Over 10,000 concerts and 300 television shows throughout more than 3 million miles. With the band and as a solo performer, John has pursued his passion for performing and recording. Let's go down to the stage for some songs from this outstanding musician. Hello. I'm really glad to be here because, well, <laughs> I got in free. And <laughs> it's wonderful to be uh, in the same space with Grandpa's son. And Mark has been a, a friend over the years, and Grandpa was somebody, Grandpa Jones was somebody I really enjoyed knowing. And I played the banjo. <laughs> and I had a dream when I was a teenager in Orange County, California. I had a dream, maybe someday, I could play Mountain View. I started playing kind of like this. said things to you they thought were funny. <laughs> you know, things like, hey, did you hear about the banjo player that went into Walmart and he got inside and he, he remembered he left his banjo in the car and he forgot to lock it. He ran out there, he was too late. There were three more banjos. <laughs> you thought that was funny. <laughs> I have six kids that you people have helped me raise. <laughs> Well, they're kids. They're 38 through 48 now. And here's a song I played for my kids as they were growing up, all the way uh, through their grade school years. I, I put them to bed with Grandfather's Clock. 
and I thought this was appropriate. Grandpa Jones, grandfather's clock. Oh, that'll work out. Okay, good. How are we doing on time? We got time for some more, right? Okay. <laughs> Kept working at it, and uh, I heard a song on the radio on the way to college one day, and I thought, well, that guy playing bass was in a bluegrass band called the Scottsville Squirrel Barkers, a bluegrass group from San Diego, and he'd started a group called The Birds and was playing bass on Tambourine Man. And I went, if he can get on the radio, I'm going to get this banjo on the radio somehow, <laughs> you know? And I needed a band. Well, I was in college playing every day, probably six to 10 hours a day I would practice. And I took on teaching at a couple of music stores. And one of the stores I was hanging out was McCabe's Guitar Shop in Long Beach. And a bunch of us would learn songs together, jug band songs from Jim Queskin Records or a Doc Watson song. And then in 1966, everybody coalesced and formed a group called Nitty Gritty Dirt Band. It had gotten together with the guys in May, but by the end of June and July, Les Thompson, who plays with me now, was the guy that called me and said, hey, John, the guys at McCabe's, you know, we got some, we actually got some jobs coming up. You know, a job, like a pizza parlor kind of thing or whatever. Okay, let's practice. That was June, July, August would go by. September, I convinced my brother to manage. By November, he'd gotten us a record deal. We recorded the album. Buy For Me, The Rain came out February 7th. It's on the radio. Oh, my God, here we go. We were rehearsing for that album. We spent four months rehearsing to make our fifth album. And uh, we, we needed one more song. And Jeff came in and said, I was driving home last night, and I heard a song on the radio that's perfect for me by some guy that had two names, two first names. Jerry was the first one, and uh, Jeff was the other one. So I remembered that. His name was Jeff. He could remember that. And 
And Jimmy Ibbotson said, I got that in my record collection in the trunk of my car. Well, Ibby ran out to his car and his record collection was 145. <laughs> Some girl had given him this record before he went, went west and said, I think this will be important to you. And sure enough, it was Jerry Jeff Walker doing that song of his. That, that record kind of sounded like this. I knew a man, Bojangles, and he danced for you in worn-out shoes. Silver hair and ragged shirt and baggy pants. He did the old soft shoe. Oh, he could jump so high, higher than anybody before or since. Then he lightly touched down. What was his name? Mr. Bojangles. Mr. Bojangles. Mr. Bojangles. And he could dance. Matt danced for him. shows and county fairs throughout the south spoke through tears for 15 years how his dog and me they traveled about the dog up and died he up and died 
20 years she's still greedy Instead of dancing out every chance and honky tonks for drinks and tips but most of my time I spend behind these county bars I drink a bit shook his head as he shook his head I heard someone ask please y'all know his name hate it when that song is over. <laughs> That's a fun space to be in, because uh, we wanted to have a top 10 record, and we thought that one had a chance, and it did, but, uh, well, and then it didn't. <laughs> in, in fact, uh, it had been on the charts for about 18 weeks, and it made it to number 17, and the record company said, it's over. And the next week, it went to 15, and we went, oh, it's not over. But then the next week it went to 16, and it looked like it was over. But the next week it went back up to 13. And we thought there was a chance to get to the top 10. I mean, wouldn't you want a top 10 record? Because yeah. you've never heard anyone say, we've got a top 13 record. <laughs> yeah. Well, they said, well, there's not a chance unless you play a certain Catholic girls' school in Manhattan. Didn't seem to make sense, but we listened. I mean, wouldn't you have listened if, if that was a chance? Well, how could it be a chance? We found out that the guy that programmed ABC in New York, he was the most important in radio, because if he didn't play a record, well, Boston, Cincinnati, Chicago, a bunch of other big stations would not play it. So they followed him, and his daughter went to that school. Oh, I get it. <laughs> you would have done that, right? So, yeah, so there we were, Les and me and the other guys, and we were there on a Friday morning about 9.30, setting up, a.m., getting ready for the junior high girls' school lunch program. <laughs> That's what it was. Bunch of tables up by the stage, kind of like Las Vegas with chocolate milk getting ready to play. And the sister walks in and says, do you boys need anything? And I said, oh, I'm just wondering who else has played your lunchtime program? And she said, oh, this year we've been very lucky. The Jackson Five, uh, they're really good. And, and then Mr. Paul Simon right after that. Uh, oh, and before that, John Lennon, what a nice boy. Well, we gotta get ready for the show. <laughs> We played the show, and as we drove out of Manhattan the next Monday, ABC Radio said, here's a new song by the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band. <laughs> I knew a man Bojangles, and he danced for you. <laughs> yep. 
that went to him. We made the top 10. When the nitty-gritty dirt band started, I was the oldest one. I still am. But uh, at that time, we were just a bunch of guys trying to get out there. And we were, the band started with a 17-year-old, let's see, 16, 17, 18, two 19s, and I was 20. By the time we had our first hit, we had to go on the road. I was the only one old enough to rent a car, so I became road manager. You know, somebody's got to rent the car to get yeah. to work. And I ended up learning. I was really glad I had a geography class in high school. And I ended up learning to drive all over the country. And it was wonderful. All of it's been wonderful. Keep in mind that people weren't stars. And I don't, I'm not to this day. I'm a guy that plays music. And fortunately, enough people like it that I get to do it all over the world. And, uh, take my influences that a lot of them stem from Arkansas and Missouri and all, all, all around the world. Three great songs from Nitty Gritty co-founder John McEwen. We heard Grandfather's Clock, followed by Jerry Jeff Walker's great song, Mr. Bojangles. And we ended that set with a song written by Michael Nesmith, some of Shelley's blues. After this break, I'll be making my weekly trip to the vault for a visit with my good pal, Mark Jones. This is Ozark Highlands Radio.
Welcome back to Ozark Highlands Radio. Every week about this time, I like to take a trip down into the vaults and see my friend Mark Jones to see what kind of tunes he's got on the shelf down there. Let's go down and see what's going on. Hey, Mark, how you doing this week? Dave, I'm doing good. How about you? You know I'm doing fine. I was thinking the other day about a fellow you might know something about. And we were very fortunate here in Mountain View, Arkansas, that back uh, in the 1980s, the famous old-time singer and uh, Grand Ole Opry musician and star of Hee Haw, Grandpa Jones, moved here to Mountain View to open a dinner theater right up the road. Now, I know that you know a lot about Grandpa Jones because he's your dad. That's right, Dave. I, I probably know more than anybody about him, but he was uh, he was a fine fella, and uh, he enjoyed, you know, the kind of life, the old-time music in this area, and it was always a relief to him to get to go fishing with Tommy Simmons and just drive out through the forest and spend time. Uh, he enjoyed hunting in this area. and uh, Mark, how did your dad get involved in Stone County in the first place? Actually, we came here earlier in the 70s. I had an uncle that lived down here and lived in Fox out there where you're at. Is that right? Gordon Jones. And every so often we'd come down and see Uncle Gordon and also visit with Jimmy Driftwood, who Dad and Jimmy were real good friends. I know your dad recorded a lot of Jimmy's songs. He did. He recorded quite a few of them and uh, different songs. One called The Baby-O, which Jimmy wrote. And, uh, you know, but he came down quite a bit and got to know a lot of the people. We just ended up kind of calling it home. Well, I know that uh, your dad, Grandpa Jones, played here on this stage many times, and he recorded a lot of stuff. What have you got for us today? This is an old tune that uh, he wrote a verse to, Merle Travis wrote a verse to, called Mountain Dew. Let's listen to Grandpa Jones sing Mountain Dew here at the Ozark Folk Center. Really, it's a little old tune that was written by a feller back in North Carolina by the name of Bascom Lamar Lunsford. Maybe a lot of you remember him or know him. But anyhow, anyhow, he wrote the tune, and Scotty Wiseman wrote a verse, and Merle Travis wrote a verse, and I wrote a verse. So it ought to be a wild song. But anyhow, this is the way it goes. There's a big holly tree down the road here for me. Well, you lay down a donut or two. Well, you go round the bend, and when you come back again, there's a just pull a good old mountain down. In short, he measures about four foot two. But he thinks he's a giant when you give him a pint of that good old Mountain Dew. My old Aunt June bought some brand new perfume. It had such a sweet smelling pew. But to her surprise, when you had it in line, it is nothing but good old Mountain Dew.
preacher rode by with his head hoisted high, said his wife, be down with the flu. And he thought that I ought just to sell him a quart of that good old Mountain Dew. My brother Bill's got a still on the hill where he runs off a gallon or two. The buzzards in the sky get so drunk they can't fly from smelling that good old Boy, that's a great song. Your dad was a fine singer, wasn't he? Well, he was a good singer, good musician, but he, most of all, he was a good entertainer. We were so fortunate to have him living here in Mountain View, but I know that eventually he got lonesome for Hee Haw and Nashville and, and moved back there, didn't he? He did. Most of his work came from Nashville and, uh, you know, was involved with Hee Haw. And they, they filmed... Uh, two months out of the year in June and October. And so when he went back there, it was like a big homecoming. All his friends, they'd come in and film for a month and then not see each other until next October. I know your dad passed on in 98, but uh, his was a legacy of music that'll live on and on, won't it, Mark? Yes, sir, it will. I'm, I think so. Thanks a lot, Mark. I'll see you next week. Thank you, Dave. This week's featured artist, John McEwen, has made over 40 albums during his career and performed on another 25 albums as guest artist. He's also produced another seven albums and written 14 film scores. Arguably, McEwen's most important legacy was initiating the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band's 1972 album, Will the Circle Be Unbroken, which introduced a whole generation of young people, myself included, to country and old-time music. Here's some more of John McEwen. I'd like to thank Grandpa Jones for uh, kind of inspiring me to frail the banjo. Back in the day, I'd heard about it, that he didn't play bluegrass. He made a career out of a different style. taking me to some unusual places and situations. Like one time I was in, when I was living in New York with Marilyn. We don't live there right now. But five years ago, the phone rang in our New York apartment. It was a lady with a really high voice. My husband just passed away and I was wondering, well, he was your biggest fan. And he has all your solo albums and everything. And I wanted to know if, if you'd play at his funeral. Now, isn't that a sweet request? I mean, I don't know how she found my number, but there she was. I said, well, what did your husband do? And she said, well, well, for 35 years, he's been the voice of Mickey Mouse. <laughs> That's what I did. I said, oh, you're kidding. No. His name is Wayne Allwine. I said, well, what do you do, ma'am? She goes, I'm the voice of Minnie. 
I didn't believe it at first, but she said they'd met when she was auditioning to be Minnie, and, she, and he had to approve her. Now she wanted me to play at his funeral. And, and sure enough, she knew the, the music, and he always wanted to meet me. And this wasn't how I intended to meet Mickey Mouse. So there I was in Forest Lawn, at Forest Lawn, standing next to his casket. Wayne Allwine, Mickey Mouse, they called them both. Mickey, Wayne, how you doing? And I'm playing for a bunch of people, but not just a bunch of people, okay? I mean, it's like Pluto and Goofy, the fairy godmother, you know. Kermit and Gonzo were there too. Seriously. Now, isn't that unusual? Isn't that, it got weirder though. Because I'm up there playing, and she hands me his banjo and says, it's time for the song. I'm standing next to Mickey Mouse's coffin, and I have to play. You know the song. See, here's where it really got even weirder. It wasn't just anyone that said Donald Duck. It was Donald Duck. <laughs> then it got stranger. Right here. Now it's time to say goodbye. The coffin starts going in the hole. And then she walks up to it. And says, see you real soon. <laughs> this is true, okay? <laughs> and everybody said, why? Because we love you. <laughs> when we had our first hit, Buy From Me the Rain, in 1967, that happened in February, March, April. By June, we were getting some bookings. Of course, we wondered what took so long to get on the radio. We've been together for eight months. <laughs> well, eight months after we kind of got together, we're out promoting our first album, and that was a miracle. But by June, all the high school proms were happening, right? High school prom. And what would you book at your high school prom? Let's get a band that has a song on the radio. So there we were at the Ambassador Hotel, playing for the prom for four different high schools. The night after... Robert Kennedy had been assassinated in the same room. Isn't that a little bit weird to think of now? It's, it's, uh, there was so much going on when Vietnam started heating up and you're trying to play music. I played a wedding for the money And I wished I could have told the bride and groom Just what I think of marriage What's in store after the honeymoon? And I was grumbling to the dancers about how men and women all live apart. And how a promise never made cannot be broken and can never break a heart. When suddenly from out of nowhere, 
girl came skipping across the floor And all her crinolines were billowing Beneath the skirt of calico that she wore And what a joy to all the honored guests As each of them was drawn into her dream They all laughed and stamped and clapped their hands and hollered at her, dance, little Jean. And they said, dance, little Jean, this day is for you. Two people you love stood up to say I do. Dance, little Jean, a prayer that you had was answered today. that get together meant it had ended years of tears and sad confusion the little girl had spent then they told the band to pack it up about the time the couple cut the cake but we played as long as they stayed Love and laughs and little genie sang And we played dance little Jean This day is for you Two people you love Stood up to say I do Dance little Jean A prayer that you had Was answered today Your mama's marrying your dad it was answered today, mother's marrying your dad. Thank you. Good job. Man. Well, at the Folk Center, it's what I've been taking out on the road since I left the Dirt Band. In fact, since before, Les Thompson, the guy that called me initially, I called him a couple of years ago. Hey, Les, let's play together. And we started playing together. And then John Cable, who was in the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band, he's an alumni, I like to call him. He was there for a couple of years in the 70s. And he was with us when we became the first American band to go to Russia in 1977. We did 28 sold-out shows representing American music. Very important person, uh, not that the others aren't, but a music buddy I've had playing with me now for, oh, I think we started playing together 20 years ago, Matt Cartsonis. And Matt is one of the more incredible, broad, talented people I know, both with singing style and abilities, guitar playing, songwriting, film score, 
And he does a lot of other things. He also records audiobooks. Um, so Matt is out there, and he writes funny songs. He does good film score music, and we work together, like, really well. Another set of fine tunes from John McEwen. First we heard his story about the Mickey Mouse theme that he played for a funeral. Then one of his most popular songs, Dance Little Jean, followed by one that is aptly named, Finger Buster. I hope you're enjoying listening to this great musician. After this short break, we'll be hearing some of John McEwen's most popular songs. You're listening to Ozark Highlands Radio.
Welcome back to Ozark Highlands Radio. Throughout his career, John McEwen has piled up a slew of recognition, including four platinum and five gold recognition awards, Grammy nominations, CMA and ACM awards, an Emmy nomination, IBMA Record of the Year award, and performed on another 25 albums as a guest artist. His production of Steve Martin, The Crow, won the 2010 Best Bluegrass Album Grammy. Prior to that, the Music of the Wild West CD, produced by McEwen, was honored with the Western Heritage Award. Although John can play just about anything with strings on it, he's best known for his proficiency on the five-string banjo. In 1994, he received the Uncle Dave Macon Award for his excellence in preservation and performance of historic music. Let's close out the show with some of John McEwen's fine banjo playing. You know, I got into music totally because of the Dillards. I was playing guitar a little bit. I knew kind of Freight Train and maybe one other song. And then in the midst of that folk music scare of the 60s, somebody said, come to this club and see this group from from Missouri called the Dillards. And I'd never heard of them. But that night, Doug Dillard stepped on stage and kicked off Hickory Hollow. And it just took me away. That's what I want to do. I ended up getting a banjo a few months later and followed them around for about two years. It was that moment that happens in many people's lives where you know that you're going to do that. Maybe it's the first time you sit behind the wheel of a race car or you pick up a, whatever, a saxophone or a, a chisel to make something, you know? And uh, so I, I'd buy their albums. And on their first album was Raining Here This Morning. And it had this Grandpa Jones on it. Well, who's that guy? And then later on, of course, ran into Grandpa. But he liked what I did. I frailed the banjo, so he was inclined to like that. When we put out some of Shelley's Blues on the fifth Dirt Band album, which was Uncle Charlie and his dog Teddy, it started off with frailing banjo. It was the lead instrument. And he told me he liked that. I like the way that song starts with the banjo. I said, yeah, I do too. Come and listen to my story if you will. 
gonna tell about a gang of fellers way down at Nashville. Let's start with old Red Foley doing his Chattanooga chew. Don't forget Hank Williams and them good old lovesick blues. And it's time for old Roy Aguff to head to Memphis on his train. Minnie Pearl and Rod Brassfield, Lazy Jim Day. Load up your radio, I know that you will wait to hear little Jim and Dick sing, grab an old cold tater and wait. There'll be guitars and fiddles, banjo picking too. Singing candy kisses, yum yum. Got a hole in my bucket, bring it in that George mail. We'll play the bluegrass breakdown and we'll dance to the chicken reel. And there'll be guitars and fiddles, Earl Scruggs on banjo too. And the famous blue tail fly, string bean and Hank Snow and fiddling chubby wide. to see a study done sometime about the music of the 60s and early 70s. These people, this group of people, had parents that lived through the Depression or the World War II, Korean War, the 50s, the McCarthyism period. Here we were in the 60s and a war was starting and there became a definite division of ways of thinking. The younger people wanted to be expressing themselves. Possibly for that reason, a huge group of people between the years, between the ages of 16 to 22 years old, started coming up with music, you know. And this is a time for you listeners out there that might be younger. Keep in mind that some of what we were living through, this was the time period when churches were being burned, uh, people were being killed because they were marching for peace. The National Guard opened fire on, uh, on students holding flowers and killed a bunch of them. Can you imagine that happening right now? 
What would happen? What would happen? Who knows? That album was a, a very magical time for us. It was a wonderful time in the sense that the generations came together. There were three, three different ge generations represented on that record. And it was, it was a very strange time in America. I mean, the Vietnam War was raging. Nobody knew what was going on. You had uh, marches going on. 67 through 72 just seemed like one and a half years in a way. The Buy For Me The Rain came out in February. So by June, we had a hit record. And we got jobs like playing a junior prom. <laughs> Actually, no, it was a senior prom. Wait a minute. It was at the Ambassador Hotel in June of 67. It was in the same room that Robert Kennedy made his last speech in the night before. Boys, don't walk by that yellow tape because they're looking around there for stuff. I mean, isn't that strange? In the midst of all that kind of stuff, that's when the Circle Be Unbroken album was made. And there were no politics in the studio at all. Like when we went to Russia, there, were, there weren't any politics involved. We were just a bunch of hippies going to Russia. That was really a cool thing. And uh, one of the things people need to remember is that we're all Americans and we're all in this together. And, and I've got to dedicate this song to a group of people that are my generation that uh, never have gotten enough recognition for what they went through as a Vietnam veteran. I want to say welcome home if you haven't been had it said to you. I've been told by many of them that this, this next song made them feel at home, the one we did with Roy Acuff that day. There's a better home away. 
That music moved me so much as a teenager that I quit being a math major in college. When I got my first D in school, it was in calculus because I'd been playing the banjo eight hours a day and practicing to try and get an understanding of the music that was from Kentucky and North Carolina, South Carolina, Eastern Tennessee, and Virginia, because there was a reality to it of some kind. They were, they were not holding back about things that were being talked about. And they told stories that were sad or true. Or, and in 1964, I'd bought an album that Flatten Scruggs made called Songs of the Famous Carter Family. And I listened to that sucker every day for over a period of a year or two years. There was some magic quality about those songs. Some, if I was on some foggy mountain top, oh, that's where Foggy Mountain Breakdown came from, I bet. You know, and pieces of American information came together in those lyrics. Thank you. We got to pick a bluegrass tune before we go. Is that okay? <laughs> Matt's got a message to send out. I'm going to send out a thank you also to the, the Dillards because I wouldn't be picking if it hadn't been for them. And they're just up in Salem, Missouri. <laughs> the Ozarks have been a lot to my life. I was a kid in... Orange County, when the Dillers first came out there, and they were talking about this weird place called the Ozarks. <laughs> I didn't know what it was. And uh, they let me in on some of it. But this song is a kind of a grew out of that. <laughs> I've been in this prison 20 years or more. Shot my woman with 44. Food is bad, all the beds are hard. Spend all day breaking rocks in the yard. When there ain't no change, gonna sit that way. I got 99 years in one dark day. Go on, John. Ain't never learned 
Tommy, I hope. We'll be right out. Thank you. John Cable, Matt Carsonis, and Les Thompson. That was four more good tunes from John McEwen, starting with Earl's Breakdown, followed by a couple of songs from the Dirt Band's seminal album, The Grand Ole Opry Song and Will the Circle Be Unbroken. Then we closed out that set with 99 Years. I hope you've enjoyed our show this week. Be sure and tune in next week for music you won't hear any farther up the radio dial. For Ozark Highlands Radio, this is Dave Smith. See you next week. Ozark Highlands Radio is produced by Jeff Glover. Executive producer is Darren Dorton. Additional support for this program comes from the Committee of 100, proudly supporting the Ozark Folk Center State Park since 1974. Arkansas State Parks, with 52 unique reasons to visit the natural state. On the web at ArkansasStateParks.com. And by Stone Bank, with deep roots in Mountain View and a deep respect for those who preserve our heritage. More information about what it means to bank Boulder is at StoneBank.com. For information on upcoming shows and events, we are on the web at OzarkHighlandsRadio.com. Until next time, I'm Donna Farrar.